We are The Remnant, a local church in Lake Oswego, Oregon. We value the story of scripture, the story of Jesus. Our hope is that the story would take root in our hearts. Enjoy this week's message and stay tuned afterward for more info on ways to connect. Our family service is like one of two things. It's like the end of the year celebration, but it's also kind of the launch of looking towards what God has for us the next year. Um, I don't want to like bring a damper to the service, but I'm bringing damper and then we're going to get lifted up. Okay. This has been the weirdest week. This has been a weird week. I'll tell you why. About a month ago, two months ago, I was praying about, okay, God, what do you want to speak to us this Christmas season? And that whole concept, those two words unto us, a child is born. And it wasn't just a child was born. It was unto us. A child was born into our world, into our existence. Jesus came, meaning he put on the flesh He lived amongst sin, became sin, went to a cross so that you and I could have a completely different life experience. One of salvation, one of freedom, and one of eternal hope. And so this week was a little bit odd. I've been talking to my dad quite a bit. He's a pastor over in Aloha, and uh, they were doing a funeral this week. They're hosting a service. And he's been in the ministry for about 35 years, and it's the funeral for an 11-year-old young man who was killed in a car wreck in which his brother was the driver. And my dad and I were talking about it yesterday, and uh, he was talking about how in 30 years of ministry, he's never seen a service more packed, more full than for this young man. But in that moment, it's very easy to go, wait a second, how is Jesus with us? How is Jesus with us in the midst of that kind of pain? Uh, just kind of how life works out. I get a text message Friday. Uh, I youth pastored for about eight to 10 years uh, before I started lead pastoring. And uh, I've pastored a lot of young men. Some of them are in this room, a lot of young women. And for some reason, over the last two, two years, there's been quite a few that have been passing away for various reasons. But I get a phone call yesterday about a young man that I baptized when he was 13 years old, died this week. And I'm talking to the dad And, you know, in those situations, you don't always have the words to say. It's a week before Christmas. They've been going through some stuff. His 25-year-old son just passed away. And then he reminded me that I baptized all four of them, the mom, the dad, and the two sons over the last eight to nine, nine years. And it's in those moments, again, we can ask the question, how is Jesus unto us? How are we in this pain, in this difficulty, how is it that we're, 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 he's unto us? And one of the things every Christian has to get within, deep within their soul, is Jesus came to us so that we could borrow our being from him. Let me pause, because sometimes we, we, we preach things, we say things, but they don't resonate. Your very being is a gift from God. Your very existence, every breath you take, every love, every forgiveness, every ache, every pain, it is being borrowed from God. We borrow our existence. And one of the things that was said to these parents that I find so true is that they are not coming to their family, but rather their family is working towards them. And what I mean by that is this, is we all have an eternal promise. We all have this this hope in us that even though things may hurt today, there is freedom and healing and redemption and all of those good things waiting for us in the kingdom of God. 
And so the way that we can declare in the midst of pain, in the midst of difficulty, that he is unto us, a child is born, is we are not operating in a world of hopelessness. We are operating in a world full of hope. It's eternal hope, but it's full of hope. And so this holiday season, when you're doing all of the traditions, and I love traditions, I love going to zoo lights, I love doing all of those things, I think sometimes what can happen to us as, as a culture is we can take for granted our blessings. We can take for granted the good things in our life instead of being present in this moment and loving and appreciating and being grateful for what God has deposited in our lives. So if I could encourage you this holiday season, maybe hug your children a little bit tighter. Maybe in the stress and the busyness of the season, find an evening to be present and be grateful that there is a God who sent his son, Jesus, who came into the world to sit on the throne, to be king. And there is always hope as Jesus sits on that throne and he will forever reign. Amen. 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 I just am excited about this next year because I can just sense there's something bubbling under the surface for us. A new building will ultimately have to happen because by the end of the year, we won't be able to meet here anymore because I doubt it will exist. Uh, There's many different hurdles that we're jumping through trying to figure out the right situation, the right building with the right parking lot. And uh, I'm excited for what God's going to do, not in the sense of growing a church, but deepening a people. That's what I get excited about is being people being formed into the image of Christ to love the world the way that Christ would love his children. And so this morning, I want to do something a little bit different. I wanted to hear from two of the young men in our church. Uh, I wanted them to share kind of on this whole concept of unto us, a child is born. And so they're going to be working out of Luke 2. Austin will go, and then he'll hand the mic to Aaron, and he'll close us up, and then I'll take it from there, and then we'll worship a little bit. But I know there's kids in the room. We, we, We know this for the service. It's okay. They're going to be kids. These guys have, well, one of them has a kid. Uh, He's expecting it. He knows it's going to happen. So just enjoy it. Be relaxed. Receive what God wants to deposit in your heart. Os, would you come first? All right. I don't know how Jesus feels about me speaking in pajamas, but (laughs) just kidding. Uh, I just want to encourage you guys this morning on just the thought of the concept of Jesus being born uh, unto us and the implications I feel that, that means. In Luke chapter 2, it says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when uh, Quirion, some dude, was governor of Syria. <laughs> I could say it earlier, but now I'm standing in front of people. And, uh, and all went to, to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went out from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in a swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. I love these kind of stories because I feel oftentimes we emphasize stories like David, who's this young, overlooked brother, the one who wasn't supposed to be. He wasn't even the oldest. He didn't even look the part, but he gets chosen. Then he goes in, he takes out Deliath, and as time goes on, he becomes king. Or a Joseph who 
again, he's this younger brother and his brothers don't even like him. He's always talking about himself and his dreams and they throw him in a pit and they leave him for dead. But he gets, he gets put into slavery forgotten in prison. You think this is the time he's going to be remembered and elevated. No, forgotten again. And then finally he's elevated to that place in the palace. You have these stories. It's like Hallmark. (laughs) But what I love about this is you have the king sitting on his throne in the palace already choosing to go and put himself in the place of the unforgotten and the overlooked to become an infant. There's no other deity that we talk about myth or whatever that ever chose to be born (laughs) but he chose it that's a crazy thought he he like like david chose to become overlooked when he had his place in the palace like joseph chose to be forgotten not just by people not just by his brothers but by his own father saying god god why have you forsaken me He chose that. And I think there's a beauty and a depth. And like Pastor Jared is saying, when you have serious things going on and you're saying, well, how can it be? But you have this God who went to these lengths and you have to force yourself to say, but there must be a way because you wouldn't have done that if there wasn't a reason. I see the birth as a redefining of what kingship means and what what the authority that it brings. Uh, you know, I was a kid, and they had, I was super young. I think I was like seven, maybe ten, somewhere in there. Uh, and I have this crazy memory. I'm at church, and I'm at Living Hope, and Pastor Jess is up on the stage, and they're doing some kind of a play. And I don't even know what they're talking about, but all I know is I want it. There's some <laughs> gift, you know. There's these kids up there, and they're talking about something called the Nintendo DS Lite. And I... I was not allowed to play video games, so I'm like, I don't know what that box has in it, but something, I, I really want that, and this play was immaculate to me and funny, and I was thrilled, and I have no idea if it was good or not, but to me, it was awesome, and I remember that year for Christmas, we're opening up gifts, and Brittany and Jared have bought me a Nintendo DS Lite, <sighs> my world was forever changed. And now that I think about it, I think you guys are due for another big gift yeah. this year. It's been... <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But actually what my point is here is I don't have the Nintendo DS anymore. I don't play with it. It's irrelevant. Technology's advanced. Actually, probably worth something now because people want all the throwback stuff. My point is, is as a kid... We get so excited for these gifts under the tree, but we've never found what we're looking for under the tree. (laughs) And I think as adults, we do the same thing. And I think Christmas is the perfect time to reflect on that where we go, ooh, if I could just get that, if I could just be there, if only my life looked more like this person, but we're looking under the tree for something that Christ already brought when he was born. (laughs) Um. See, I, what I think I love about this situation is in a little bit here, Mary and Joseph are going to be told by an angel, hey, you need to get out of here because the king is going to kill every infant two years and younger. So you need to flee this town because this king has a certain level of authority. He's going to do something pretty insane. <laughs> so you guys need to get out of here. 
Well, that's just crazy because Jesus put himself in that position to be reliant upon Mary and Joseph for his life. The light of the world. It's insane. But we can look at that situation and see that king and go, see, look at the power that he holds. Or you can look at the king and go, look how fearful. Look how, look how dumb he looks. He's this king, this big king that has this power, but he's afraid of an infant. He's afraid of some kid. He feels he needs to go out of his way because my, my throne is on the line. And then you look at Jesus. I'm in my throne, but I'm going to go down and become an infant. Look at the power I hold. You see how much of a drastically different authority that is. But the whole thing is, is why did he do this? Why did he come this way? Why did he come in such a way that Pharisees and Sadducees, people that gave their life to studying these scriptures for looking for the Messiah, looking to the one who was to come, he came in such a way that they actually, in some instances, played a part in his crucifixion? Because how could this be? They gave their life to it but couldn't see it. Yet it was so vivid that people who were blind and had not yet regained their sight could see him. <laughs> because he came in such a way unto us. I think what I love about this scripture is you're seeing Jesus put himself in a place where he's saying, I will be born. I'm going to come into your life. I'm going to choose to come into your life in the most in like in-depth way so that you could be reborn into my kingdom. I'm going to come into your world so that you can come into mine. There's no other deity. Every other deity says, hey, I'm up here if you need me. Here's your steps. Here's the rules. Here's the regulations. If you're good enough, you can find me. Jesus said, these people are really messing things up and they're really broken and not one is good, but God. So I'm going to go down and make a way for them to come and be a part of my family. Uh, and I also just love... <laughs> The way, I mean, we can't comprehend. He's the creator of everything. <laughs> he spoke it into existence. And not only does he come into his creation, he comes in to the most humble possible way imaginable. He didn't show up as a 30-year-old, <laughs> which already would be like a lot. It's like, man, thank you, you know? <laughs> He comes in as an infant. He comes in as an infant that doesn't even have a place in a hotel. There's not enough room for him there. He comes in as an infant that is in a manger, in a feeding trough. That's the place for Jesus. The, our Lord and Savior, the feeding trough. That's his bed. But what I love is there was no room for him in the end. He came. The king of kings and lord of lords could find no place even in the hotel. But he did it so that we could find our place in him. <laughs> I think we look at his birth and we have to push beyond the feelings of how could God be when? How could it be when? And look and be how 
Why would he do such a thing if he wasn't? <laughs> and so I'll just encourage you this morning. No, Jesus came and he chose to be born so that you could find your place in him. Aaron. <laughs> I, I swear the hardest thing about all this is in, in coming and speaking is getting to share the mic with these two men of God and getting to come up behind them. I'm like, dude, I, I don't feel like I should be up here. But uh, I was going to sit down, but I got to keep the energy up because uh, I got to match up with these guys. I'm going to read out of Luke chapter 2, 8 through 20, and it says this. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And by the way, I remember I would talk about, you guys heard me talk about shepherds, uh, like they're so highly, you should anticipate them, you want to be like them, but you want to be like sheep first. This is not that case, so just forget everything that I said before. These are the night shepherds. These are the lowest of the lows. This is basically uh, like somebody working at like Dunkin' Donuts or something like that. I don't know. I'm just saying something that like nobody here would work at, like maybe a McDonald's or something. I don't know. So yeah, they're Dutch. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, Dutch. Uh, but just some, just some little job that has almost no fulfillment, just the bottom of the bottom, the easiest job to get because nobody wants it. <laughs> and the reason why this actually matters, you'll see in a second. You'll see in a second. But that's the type of people that God wants to work through. That's the type of people and the heart that Jesus wants to work through. It's the bottom of the barrel. It's okay. It's not Dutch. But I'll keep reading. Keep that in the back of your mind. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, and lying in a manger, and suddenly there was an angel with the multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Pay attention to this part. Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph in the baby lying in the manger, and when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Now, what I want us to focus on is the position of the shepherds. I know, I'm sorry, I'm talking way too much about shepherds. But it's the position of the shepherds that makes this passage so important. And it actually kind of talks about this concept of what the position that the shepherds are in, in this book uh, written by Timothy Keller called A Hidden Christmas. And it says this in the book. Years ago, I read an ad in the New York Times that said, the meaning of Christmas is that love will triumph and that we will be able to put together a world of unity and peace. In other words, we have the light within us, and so we are the ones who can dispel the darkness of the world. We can overcome poverty, injustice, violence, and evil if we work together. We can create a world of unity and peace. Timothy Keller asks, can we? Are we able to? 
One of the most thoughtful world leaders of the late 20th century was Vaclav Havel. Don't know if I'm saying that right. Vaclav Havel, the president of the Czech Republic, and he had a unique vantage point from which to peer deeply into both socialism and capitalism. And he was not optimistic that either would, by itself, solve the greatest human problems. He concluded that neither technology, nor the state, nor the market alone could save us from nuclear conflict, ethnic violence, and environmental degradation. Pursuit, he says this, pursuit of the good life will not help humanity save itself, nor is democracy alone enough. And he continues saying this, a turning to and a seeking of God is necessary. It is necessary. And that's exactly the position that the, sh- the shepherds are actually in. What happens? The angel comes to them and they say, this thing is happening. Go into it. What do the shepherds do? They turn with haste. They turn with haste and they go to this thing. Why? Because they realize they can't save themselves. And they need, they need this outward source in order to be saved. In this outward source in order to be saved. That's the power of what's happening within that. I was going to use this illustration of like a glow stick. You guys know glow sticks. Uh, they're those little things that you just kind of crack and they just kind of light up, which in and of itself just defeats my entire purpose because what I'm trying to convey is that you can't come up with the light in and of yourself. So that's not a good illustration. Well, I had this other football that actually glue in the dark so that like if obviously if you put a light on it, it'll like kind of shine after that. And it's cool because then it shows us it's dependent upon the material and what we're made of that shows us if we can reflect the light. But I was like, that's not in season enough. But what is in season enough? Look at the lights all around you. Look at these lights all around you. Look at all these ones. Don't look at the one that Marcus broke. Um, <laughs> but all the lights, all the lights around you. What is it that makes these lights look good? It's that there's not just one of them. They're all connected, and they are connected to one source. That's what this story is conveying. The shepherds are going to the one source that can actually bring up a light within them, and they are saying, let us go into that because we cannot save ourselves. My encouragement to you this morning is we are those lights. Nothing more, nothing less. We are just simply the lights. And if we are not connected and we are not connected to the, the power, the surge, the electricity, we are just a light with no purpose. But this morning I tell you, you are a light that lights up because you are plugged into the source. And you get to walk in that relationship with Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm going to be dependent upon you. And what's beautiful about the light, and this is, I'm going to close with this. What's beautiful about the light is that with God, his presence was exuberating Light. It talks about when uh, just the messengers of the Lord came, they were uh, fearful because that's the only response you can have in the appearance of the Almighty Lord. But what happens with Jesus? The shepherds go from this place of fear into welcoming and encouraging and glorifying this little baby child. What does this tell us? The Lord made the light accessible to us through Jesus Christ, this little baby. That's it. The baby is what provides this light that we can actually walk into. You see in the, in the, uh, on Mount Sinai, Sinai, Moses goes up to the mountain, goes within God's presence. He can't even look at him, but he's just within the presence of God. He comes down from the mountain. He looks at the people and they are fearful and they can't even look at him. He had to put a veil over his face. Otherwise they would just be trembled with fear because that is what the Lord does. But hear what I'm saying. I'm not saying be fearful of the Lord. 
necessarily. But what I am saying is that Jesus provides this light in which we can receive for ourselves and we can be these little lights that are all around us. That's my encouragement to you this morning. Can we just simply be light bulbs? Light bulbs that exuberate the light in which we is provided to us. We are not glow sticks that can light up on ourselves. It's only the light that is provided to us that we can overcome the darkness of the world. That's all I have for you this morning. That pastor. I'm stuck on that visual, man. Like I'm stuck on that visual. If I were to go back to my home tonight and like I did all this work putting Christmas lights up and there's just one of them on, like how, how corny would that look? But you're absolutely right. There's something beauty, beautiful about the multitude of lights. There's something beautiful about being connected together and recognizing that we shine as a church, not an individual light, but a, a collective light. Uh, one of the things I love about hearing from people like Austin, Aaron, Matthews, M. Singh. Oh, right here, my bad, man. Uh, Matthews, M. Singh is, I love to see personality, and I love to see individual perspective and kind of how they approach it differently, but yet at the very heart of it, it's the same DNA. A deep passion for the things of God. One of the things that I care about as a, as a pastor and in a, in a church is, is not gifting, it's not talent, it's not size, it's hunger. To actually hunger for the things of God. To actually live differently, to love differently, to engage differently. And uh, both of you did a great job of that. I love seeing your passion come out. More than what you have to say, it's the hunger behind it. Because if there's hunger behind it, it means you're living differently. Uh, I, I do think this, my, my hope for you this holiday season is that his light would become your light. And the way that that happens, this is talking to Austin and Aaron before, is, is this. This is where we're heading this year. Is Jesus came into our world through an infant, became flesh, went a little bit lower, went to the cross, died, went to a grave, was buried. But three days later, he rose from the dead and was exalted. But he left for something. He left us something that is very critical for us to receive. We could see his body. We could read his word. But he elevated it to another level, which is to deposit his presence. I think it's one thing to see light. I think it's a whole other thing to become light. And the only way to become light is to fully receive his presence. So I, I pray that this holiday season, that the unto us would not be us observing, but us receiving and in turn shining both in our words and in our actions. And that's kind of what we're launching into this new year. And so I think it's important that we reflect on that during this holiday season. Tyler, man, would you head up to the stage? If you would stand? Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you're interested in connecting or attending a service in person, you can find us on Instagram at the Remnant Church PDX or our website at rmnt.church.